Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Before we get into our passage this week, Heritage Bible Church wants to announce to you an upcoming opportunity for you ladies. Our 2019 Ladies Conference will be held on Friday, September 20th through Saturday, September 21st. This year's theme is Living Wise in a Foolish World. You can find out more and sign up on our website at www.hbc-boise.org. That's www.hbc-boise.org. Well, this week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin the second chapter of the book of Mark. Have you ever gone to a doctor because of a serious illness, asked for a remedy, and had your doctor respond to you about your sins? Well, probably not. But as we begin chapter 2, that's precisely what happens with a paralytic who seeks healing from Jesus. It was already a testament to the divine authority of Jesus that he healed people miraculously. To some, like the Pharisees in that day, that was already a concern. But now Jesus stepped up the game by declaring a sick man's sins forgiven. For the corrupt religious leaders of the day, this was just too much. Now, some have argued that Jesus never claimed to be God, but if Jesus did anything to declare himself to be God, this was it, and the Pharisees knew it. Nobody but God can forgive sins, they complained. Exactly the point I'm making, Jesus answered. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Who Can Forgive Sins? The roofs of houses in that part of the world in those days were flat, and the roof was like the, the patio. Um, it was uh, even a sleeping area often when the, when the weather was warm. That's why there are specifications in the, in the Old Testament about uh, having a parapet around the roof of your house so people don't fall off or sleepwalk. That's why those regulations are there. Well, the stairway to the roof was always on the outside Now, the roof itself was generally made of slabs of burnt or dried clay interwoven with thatch to make it strong. And that would be placed across supporting beams which stretched from wall to wall over the top of the rooms of the house. They would add a smooth coat of extra mud or plaster to the areas of the roof that were to be used for sitting or sleeping. That was the common type of construction of nice homes in first century Israel. And that's the case of Peter's home. And as I told you, uh, um, that archaeological location is very well known. You can can visualize it. It was a, a kind of building like that, probably, that Jesus had in mind when in the Sermon on the Mount, he said to lay up treasures in heaven, remember? where thieves do not break through and steal. You see, it wasn't all that hard to literally tear your way into a house built like that or uh, break through a wall or break through even a roof. So 
these four friends of the sick man had made a hole in the roof. That wouldn't be easy to do. I mean, it was built to withstand people up there. Uh, They lower him down by ropes attached to the four corners of the pallet or bedroll that he was on. Now think about that scene. It's, It's no small task to carry a grown man around. And they brought him there. But then they carried him up the stairs. Okay, yeah, that, that takes a little bit of, of, of work. You know, you, I mean, you, you can't just tilt the guy the angle of the stairs or you'd lose your friend down to the, down to the bottom of the, of the staircase. But they did that. Carried this guy up a flight of stairs, dug through the roof. You can bet it disrupted Jesus' preaching when uh, he's talking and all of a sudden a little dust starts to come down from the roof and then chunks of dried mud and thatch start falling from the ceiling and then this guy is lowered down in front of him and I'm sure it was in front of him because I'm sure Jesus took a step back when that stuff started falling and the friends of this severely handicapped guy made history little did they know that they would be forever remembered as the very first ones to create a retrofitted handicapped access building None before them. Well, this guy had a serious need. He, he was described here as a paralytic. You actually know a Greek word that you don't know you know. It's the Greek word paralytic. That's where our word comes from. It means he was paralyzed. It seems from the way that it describes him lying, he probably was a quadriplegic, at least a paraplegic. And, and the, the, the simple and... Uh, and portable place to lay was this little pallet or bed or whatever. It's probably a, probably actually like a, a a mat on top of what we would think of as a as a stretcher. Well, he could have never gone any place without being totally dependent on others to carry him. They might have made the handicapped access building, but they didn't have rascal scooters or motorized wheelchairs just yet. He was totally dependent, but he had faithful friends. Now that overlaps with the next ones that we're introduced to, the faithless phonies. But notice, first of all, Jesus says in verse 5, seeing their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now it's interesting that in all three gospel records of this, and this one's recorded by Matthew and Mark and Luke, and it's one of the rare ones where Mark, I think, has the longest description. Um, the, they all say that Jesus saw their faith. That's something you and I can't do. I can show you evidence of my faith by my works, according to James uh, uh, chapter 2, but he's saying he, he saw the faith of these. Well, he, did, he would have seen these four guys who were willing to work hard for their paralyzed friend. But we aren't given any details about them except the fact that they had faith. What does that mean? What, did they, what were they actually believing? Well, it means they, they believed in Jesus at least to the extent that they believed that if they could just get their friend into His presence, Jesus could, and He probably would, heal him. Surely they had 
seen of seen Jesus healing others or at least heard of it several places in the gospels it mentions that Jesus healed all who came to him during that time of his ministry in in Galilee and it would appear that the paralytic man also believed at least that much but we don't know for sure just exactly what he and his friends believed before they arrived but we know that Jesus saw their spiritual realities of their heart. And in this guy's case, he forgave him. didn't say that to the other four, but maybe they believed as well. So the, at least the paralyzed guy must have been repentant. Now from other situations, we often know that Jesus healed people who didn't believe in him as of the time when they were healed. It's clear in the Bible, and this is uh, totally contrary to the teachings of modern faith healers, faith is not a condition for healing. But in this case, we do know that apparently the guy believed before he was healed. Jesus did sometimes respond to faith, and uh, he would see it in people who came to him. I don't know how he saw faith, but I know that he knows hearts, and you'll see more of that in a minute. Now, there's a lot going on in this scene. You have a a whole crowd of people who are obviously extremely interested in Jesus. But that seems to be their interest. They came to see healings. Because, think about this, this crowd didn't even have enough basic compassion to let a quadriplegic get in front of them in line. I can see these guys coming up and say, excuse me, could we, could, could we make a little room here for my friend? They couldn't get there. The crowd wouldn't let them. Jesus had to deal with that a lot. A lot of people came for the goodies, but he was always going for the soul. They, they seemed to only want the healings. But among them, you have five very zealous ones in which Jesus sees faith. He doesn't say that about anybody else present. So so the faithful friends get the headlines most of the time in the telling of this story. But notice this other group that is about to take center stage. Mark 2, 6 and 7. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? What way? He said, my son, your sins are forgiven. Why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now Mark points to the scribes. If we harmonize Luke and Matthew as well, we're known that there were some Pharisees and scribes or Pharisees and teachers of the law. The Pharisees were the ones who were the official party. There were about 6,000, we think, card-carrying Pharisees in the days of Jesus, but they had spectacularly strong influence over the everyday teaching in the synagogues in Israel. It was the Sadducees who were theological liberals and of a more aristocratic background who controlled the priesthood in Jerusalem. But the Pharisees had a a, a death grip on the teaching of what was in most synagogues in most places. In both cases, 
There were scribes involved. There were scribes of the Sadducees. There were scribes of the Pharisees. There were scribes of other sects. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.